You know, sometimes we preachers and even others use language that some don't understand. Like, what's it mean to be saved? Saved from what? You know, we just assume everybody knows what it means when you say, you know, have you been saved? But, you know, that song tells you exactly what salvation is all about. It's having those chains of bondage broken. That Satan has you bound to the sin in your life. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He comes in. His Holy Spirit comes in to dwell with us. And He breaks those chains that have us bound. No longer are you bound to the sin in your life. Now you're free to say no to Satan. However, you know, we're in a spiritual battle all through life. And that's what we're talking about here for the last five weeks. Today we're still looking at spiritual warfare. We're on our sixth lesson. Today we want to understand the breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul you know, says we must put on the whole armor of God. And now he's going to begin to name those armors of these things that God provides for us in order to be able to stand strong during this spiritual battle that we face. Now, last week we saw Paul encouraging us that if we are going to be victorious when Satan comes at us, notice it's when, not if. If you're a child of God, especially, Satan is going to come after you because you're caught in the middle of this spiritual warfare between, you know, the, 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 the angels in heaven and Satan's demons that are on this earth. And we're caught in the middle. And he says, if we are going to be standing after the battle, we must put on the whole armor that God has provided for us. And the first thing that we looked at last week, Paul said, put on that belt of truth. In other words, it's the truth, the belt of truth we must put around us. In fact, he worded it like this, so stand strong with the belt of truth tied around your waist. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth. So what is that belt of truth, folks? It's Jesus Christ. It's His Word that we must wrap around us and we must secure tightly, you know, to us. And what we saw last week is that Satan is going to promote these certain teachings with are nothing more than, than cunning, deceiving, craftiness, uh, you know, doctrines that demons are going to be passing off in these last days. And they're meant to destroy the truths of God's Word. Let me tell you, society today has completely destroyed the truths of the Word of God. The Word of God actually means not very much at all to a lot of people today. And you can tell that by the, li- the way they're living their lives against the Word of God. In other words, he's gonna, Satan is going to bombard us with wiles of falsehoods. And the only way that we're going to have the strength and the ability and the power to, to resist those falsehoods, to resist those lies of the devil is to know the truth and if you don't know the truth the word of God folks you're going to fall for them wiles every day of your life that's why it's so important for us to teach the true word of God let me tell you there's a lot of churches out there not teaching the true word of God because the true word of God goes against the views of society But we must teach the truth of the Word of God if people are going to be able to put that belt of truth around them. Now, the second piece of armor that Paul mentions here, we see in verse 14b, you know, first of all, we've got to put on that belt of truth. 
having the breastplate of righteousness. Now he names this second piece of armor. You know, as important as that belt of truth is, you know, we won't be successful with just that one piece of armor. You're not going to be successful with just that belt of truth. Paul says you've got to take the whole armor of God. So this morning we're going to look at this second piece of armor that Paul calls the breastplate of righteousness. Now it's actually linked closely to the belt of truth. You know, remember last week we told you that one of the things the belt of truth does, after you have this breastplate, the belt of truth goes around that and it keeps that breastplate secure. Now Paul says he's going to talk to us about this breastplate of righteousness. And looking at this breastplate of righteousness, we're going to see three things this morning. You know, where we can expect to be attacked. We're going to see how we can defend ourselves when those attacks come. And then we're going to look at how to put that breastplate of righteousness on. How do we put that breastplate on in order to protect us from Satan? Okay, so where where can we expect to be attacked? What is Satan going to come after you with? Where is he going to focus his attacks? Let's take a look at this. Now, the imagery here that Paul gives, you know, isn't hard to understand. He uses the imagery of a soldier back in that day, the Roman soldiers, you know, how they would dress. The the soldiers would wear these breastplates, and these breastplates were either made of metal or real thick leather, and they went from the neck all the way down past the thighs. And the purpose of those breastplates were to protect the vital organs when they was in a battle. That's what it would do. It would usually come in two pieces, one to cover the front, one to cover the back, and it really was, a, I guess you might say, an ancient uh, version of a, br- a bulletproof vest that our law enforcement officers wear today. It protected the vital organs of that person. And if you wore a, b- a breastplate, then your vital organs, like the heart, would be protected, especially from the thrust of the short swords that many of the soldiers used during that day. So, you know, it's, it's interesting here that Paul talks about the breastplate so early on as he mentions this armor because it shows us where Satan is prone to attack us. You see, he's going to come after our hearts, folks. That's what he's after. He is after your heart. He is after my heart, and that's where he's prone to attack. You know, he knows if he can get our hearts He can inflict a mortal wound upon us. So why the heart? What makes the heart such an important target for Satan? You see, the heart in Scripture represents our innermost being, who we really are. The essence of who we are is the seat of our emotions. Now, I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. The heart is the seat of the emotion. People in, in, in Paul's day, they believed that not only the heart was the seat of emotion, but it, it might surprise you to think or to know that even some thought that the liver was the center of affection. All right? Today, with us, you know, you know if, if there's someone that you, you really love, you know, uh, I can remember looking into Debbie's eyes and big old, you know, cow eyes, uh, Jersey cow eyes, and, and, and looking at her and saying, Baby, I I love you with all my what? Heart. Why did I tell her I loved her with all my heart? Because the heart is the seat of the emotion. Now, Jerry's a little different. 
You know, if you wonder what's wrong with Jerry, he was born on April the 1st. He's an April Fool baby. Right, Jerry? Yep. Okay. With Jerry, when he looked at Glenda, Jerry thinks the liver is the seat of the emotion. And when Jerry first looked at Glenda, he looked at her in her eyes. She don't have Jersey cow eyes like Debbie does. But he looked at her eyes and he said, Glenda, you make my liver quiver. You know, and why did his liver quiver? Because Jerry thinks the liver is the heart of the emotion. But that's what the people in the older days, they thought the vital organs, and they felt that the vital organs was the seat of the emotion. So you see, emotions such as joy and anger, they originate in the heart. They originate in the heart. And Paul used this understanding to teach important spiritual lessons. He said that believers must put on this breastplate of righteousness to uh, protect the vital organs, the most inner part of a man from the attacks of Satan. You know, in our conflict with these invisible powers, these, you know, the Satan and his demons, you know, we're at war with, believers are vulnerable in their thoughts, in their motives, and in their emotions. And that's what he's coming after. Look here. There's three areas we can expect attack. The first one is in our thoughts. Satan wants to attack your thoughts. Because here's the problem. Usually what we think about moves to our heart. And usually what's in our heart is displayed in our actions. So if Satan can control your thoughts, folks, he can in essence control your actions, and that's what he wants to do. He's, tried to, he's going to try to entice us to think, uh, think wrong thoughts of him. He don't want us to think of him as the fa- the, uh, a liar and the father of it. He don't want us to think of him as, you know, the great deceiver. He wants to control our thoughts and make us think, you know, wrong things about him. He wants us to think wrong things about ourselves. If he can get us down on ourselves, then you know what? If our thoughts are down on ourselves, what's going to happen? Our actions are soon going to be against ourselves. And that's what he's after there, okay? He, he is after our thoughts, you know, about him, about ourselves, and you know what? About God also. He wants to control our thoughts. If he can twist our thinking, he can poison our relationship with God and others. And that's what he wants to do. Now, the second thing is he is after here is our motives. Our motives. You know, sometimes we do the right thing, but we do it for the wrong reason. Okay, so it's one thing to do the right thing, but we got to make sure we're also doing it for the right motives. He's trying to he's going to try to entice us to do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Let me just give you an example of that in ministry. There's a lot of people involved in ministry, and that's a good thing. But they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're doing it for the praise of man. They're doing it so others will look at them and say, boy, aren't they a strong Christian? And as long as Satan can get them involved in in something that is right, but control their way of thinking and their motives to be wrong, then he's got you. He's got you. Okay, we got to remember that. He's going to try to capture us at a level of our desires so that we want the things that God doesn't want for us. Remember, that's just what he done with Eve. It's just what he done with Eve. If he can get us to desire anything more than God, then he's got our hearts, and we're soon going to become 
idolaters. Now, the, the next thing here, the third thing here is he wants to attack our emotions, our emotions. You know, there's, there's some people who are so emotionally driven, you know, that everything they do is based off their emotions, okay? Now, if Satan can get control of your emotion, then he's got you, okay? Because everything you do is going to be based upon your emotions. Do I feel good? Do I not feel good? Do I feel guilty or do I not feel guilty? And all these things are going to be done. You see, our emotions are a great gift from God, but they're also an area that Satan can really destroy us. He can use our emotions to carry us away from God. He can use our emotions as a means of our doubting God's love. And here's what I mean by that. You know, when our emotions are in sync, you know, with the truth of the Word of God, then we're able to do great and powerful things. But when our emotions are out of sync with God, then we're not able to do all that God wants us to do. The heart is in essence of who we are. And in the Bible, it represents all that you are, the entirety of your inner person. And Paul says he's going to come after that. So Satan's out to get you. He's out to, and he's going to come after your heart to begin with. So that's the first thing about this breastplate of righteousness. It's going to protect your heart. You know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the first place he attacks. He's going to attack the core of your being because he knows if he can get your heart, if he can, you know, put that dagger in your heart, then he has you defeated. It's going to be a fatal wound. And that's why we need this breastplate of righteousness. No better place to attack. And, and so the breastplate of righteousness is absolutely needed if we're going to survive his everyday attack. So where's Satan going to attack? Let's look next here at how we can defend ourselves, okay? So how can we protect our most vulnerable area, the heart? You know, here, here's the three things here also. Three main theories of what the breastplate of righteousness is. You know, the first one says this. One theory is that it's the righteousness that we get from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so three main theories as to what this breastplate of righteousness is. The first theory here is one that says that, you know, this is, we get this righteousness you know, from God through our faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, once we're saved, once we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin, come into our heart, save our soul, then boom, at that moment, then, then you get, you know, the, the righteousness of God imputed upon your life. Okay? The second theory is this, you know. Another theory is the righteousness that characterizes our life as we follow Jesus. In other words, as we follow Jesus, you know, this righteousness is dumped more upon us. When God saves us, he sends the Holy Spirit to live within us and to change us from the inside out. So when Satan attacks us, we can increase our defense against him through the transformation of the way the Holy Spirit is working within our life. Now, the third theory is this. It's talking about both. It's talking about both. You know, the faith we exercise in Jesus Christ gives us righteousness. And as the Holy Spirit is continually working within our life, it gives us righteousness, which makes up the breastplate of righteousness. So because we need the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart, one of the aspects of this breastplate is the righteousness of Jesus that's given the moment that he saves us. Now, 
One of the ways that Satan uh, attacks us is to accuse us. Now, what's he accuse us? How does Satan accuse us here? Okay? The way he accuses us, he'll come to us and we sinned. Okay? Which we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And he comes to us and he says, what? Did you see what you just did? Did you hear what you just said? You know, did, 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 did you hear that? You sinned again? My goodness, what makes you think God loves you? Could God really love you if you're continuing in sin? I mean, this is the way he comes at us, folks. You know, you're no good. God could never love someone like you. Let me tell you, we're told in God's word that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And even though we are sinners today, he still wants to impute his righteousness upon us. We've got to understand that. You know, they're, they're, that, that, that's one of the key areas and the key ways that Satan attacks our heart. Don't forget, he's our accuser. He loves, you know, to, to point out our flaws. And, and here's the thing. He's kind of right. When he comes to us and says, you're nothing but an old sinner, you know, he's kind of right because we are. Are we not? We are. And he, so he's kind of right there, you know. We do have a lot of flaws, you know, and, and, and he can point that out. But you know what? God loves us in spite of all our flaws. You know, we all have flaws. But God still loves us in spite of that. And you know what? I am grateful he does. I am grateful he does. But when Satan attacks us this way, folks, we need a righteousness that doesn't come from ourselves as a primary defense. Listen, if we try to argue with our own righteousness against Satan when he attacks us, we are doomed. Because in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness. In and of ourselves. The truth is, the more you grow as a Christian, the more aware you are or you become that you have no righteousness at all in your own. You know, the more you grow in your faith, the more you realize that you're righteousness is no defense against Satan whatsoever. Remember Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, our righteousness, our own righteousness, the righteousness that I produce upon my own, Isaiah said it's just as filthy rags. Filthy rags. So in and of myself, I have no righteousness that I can put on and protect my heart, protect my vital organs from the attack of Satan. I can't produce enough righteousness in my life on my own to protect me. So we must understand that. That's why we must put on that breastplate of righteousness. So what do you do? You put on the breastplate of Jesus' righteousness. That's what you do. We must understand that once saved, God takes away all our filthy clothes. Once saved, God takes away those filthy rags and, and has clothed us, clothed us with the righteousness of His own. Now I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now I can stand behind that righteousness, that breastplate of righteousness, and I can be protected from the wiles of the devil. I can be protected from the attacks of the devil. You know, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, for our sake, for my sake, for Gene Hazel's 
stake. Put your name up there. You know, he made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him I, Gene Hazel, put your name there, might become the righteousness of God. You see, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, folks, because one day when I was in the sixth grade, you know, at Magnolia School, okay, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save my soul. At that moment, my filthy rags, in other words, all the righteousness that I could muster on my own were taken away, and I put on the righteousness of God, all because of what he did for me. And the same is true for you. If you have been saved, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, all those filthy rags that you clothed yourself with before, he done away with. Let me, let me just point this out. I hadn't planned on pointing this out, but I'm going to point this out anyway. The filthy rags that Isaiah was making reference to, I don't know if you know what Isaiah was really making reference to, but back in those days, lepers, you know, they would have these big boils and sores and stuff all over them, and, and they would leak with pus and blood and everything else, and they would take rags and they would wrap them rags around them, okay, to, 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 to catch all of that stuff, okay? And the filthy rags that Paul was talking about, uh, uh, that Isaiah was talking about, was those rags that was full of all that stuff that come out of the body. They were filthy. They were unclean. If you, if you studied that, you understand that if they were walking down the road and somebody got close to them, they started hollering, unclean, unclean. But that's the filthy rags Isaiah was comparing any good thing that we can come up with, with those filthy rags that wrapped around the arms, the legs of the leper. So Paul says, for our sake, he made Jesus to be sin, who didn't know no sin, that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. So if you're saved here this morning, guess what? Don't worry about your righteousness. You have none. You have on the now the righteousness of God. And when Satan accuses you, and, and, and you have no righteousness of your own to defend yourself with, remind him. Remind him. I'm clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, Satan. Therefore, get to behind me. I'm protected with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, how does one put on this breastplate of righteousness? And I've kind of explained to you what the breastplate of righteousness is. You know, how do we put this on? You know, you, know, uh, do, do, you do it by focusing on the truth. Look at here. Who or what is the truth is the question, I guess. You know, if Satan is coming after our thoughts, our motives, and our emotions, then the way we counter his attack is to bring our thoughts, our motives, and our emotion in line with the truth of God's Word. That's what we have to do. We have to bring the way we think. We have to bring the way what our motives are. And we have to bring our emotions in line with the truths found in God's Word. 
That's why the belt of truth holds that breastplate together. The truth of the word of God, Jesus and his word. And it's crucial that if we're going to stand when Satan attacks, you know, we have to adorn ourselves with this righteousness of Jesus. The truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it's going to help us when Satan comes after that heart. Now, let's focus on the truth, you know, how the truth here is going to help us. You know, it's going to help us when we're feeling uh, bitter or we're feeling disappointed. When you're feeling disappointed or when you're feeling bitter, this belt of truth or this belt of righteousness is going to protect you. You know, when, when we're bitter, it's usually because we're trusting in something that hadn't worked for us. You see, we're looking for uh, to something other than Jesus to show us what's okay. We're looking at our career to protect us. We're looking at our accomplishments or our relationships, you know, to give us what only Jesus can give. And when we're bitter, we need to repent and make something else our way of protection, you know. And we, we need to make Jesus that. We need to put on the breastplate of his righteousness as our defense if we're going to be protected. Now, the next thing is when we're feeling guilty, how does, how does focusing on the truth help us? When we're feeling guilty, it will help us. Look, we all know what it's like to feel guilt. But, but did you know there's a good type of guilt? Many don't understand there is a good type of guilt. You know, it's a godly guilt. That godly guilt drives us to Jesus. It's more of a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some people confuse it with guilt. It's more of a conviction of the Holy Spirit designed to draw us back to Jesus Christ you know but then there's that wrong type of guilt the guilt that accuses one and causes us to doubt God's love that, that guilt that puts us down and causes us to run from Jesus rather than run to Jesus and that's the type of guilt Satan wants to bring in your life is that guilt that's going to make you feel uh, you know bad about yourself that you're not worthy of God that you're not a worthy Christian and it's designed to draw you away from God <clears throat> so focusing on the truth will help us also when we're working too hard now what do I mean by working too hard don't base your righteousness on your own efforts you know a lot of people work hard on trying to build their own righteousness in other words I can work to gain righteousness no you can't just like you can't work to gain salvation you can't work to, to, to gain righteousness or build your own righteousness. You know, they, they are building righteousness out of their careers or their achievements. But remind yourself, that's not where your righteousness comes from. Again, your righteousness only comes from Jesus Christ. And no matter how well you do in life, it will never be enough to serve as a breastplate in your life. Now, the next thing here is when we're feeling inadequate. Anybody ever felt inadequate? I think at times Satan tries to get us all to feel that away. When you feel inadequate, when you feel like you don't measure up, then it's a good sign that you're trying to put on the breastplate of something other than Jesus Christ. You're trying to put on a breastplate, you know, that you have created for yourself. If God says you're okay in Christ, listen, who cares what anyone else thinks? Who cares what anyone else thinks when God says you're okay in Jesus' eyes? Who needs the approval of a servant when you have uh, the approval of the king? Listen, we're not here to 
make others happy. We're not here to make sure that everybody thinks good of me. We're here to carry out what Jesus Christ has mandated for us to do. And can, can I tell you something? Through experience, when we're carrying out what God wants us to do, sometimes we're not going to be very popular. Because, again, it goes against the grain. It goes against society. So when you feel inadequate, when you feel like you don't measure up, just remember you're here to please the king and he only. And sometimes even your own conscience can condemn you, uh, you know, when it shouldn't. In 1 John 3.20 it says this, Whenever your heart condemns you, okay, God is greater than your heart. Don't miss this. God is greater than your heart. He knows everything. Look, when... Others condemn you, okay? Understand that God is greater than them. God is greater than their condemnation. You have on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So look at this. When you're feeling inadequate, here's what you need to do. Remind yourself that you are a child of the king and that you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you can stand firm. Let's read that there. When you feel inadequate, anybody ever feel inadequate? Like you're not measuring up, like you're not, you know, doing what others expect you to do? What others demand of you? And Satan has you feeling inadequate? Look at here. Remind yourself, I'm a child of the king. You know, I don't have to please you. I'm a child of the king. The only one I have to please is the king, Jesus Christ. And then say, you know what? I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I can stand firm on his righteousness, on his righteousness. And you know what? Satan will flee. Satan will flee. In short, we need to preach the truth to ourselves and to each other as we do, we'll be putting on the breastplate of righteousness that we need. Look, Satan hates you. Every one of you in here this morning, trust me, Satan hates you. His, he, he knows his fate. He knows that hell awaits him. And he wants to take you with him. He wants to take you with him. He hates you. He wants to attack you. He wants to destroy you. He's going after your heart. He's going after your thoughts. He's going after your emotions. He's going after your motives. And if he can get you there, he knows he can inflict a fatal wound. So what should we do? Put on this breastplate of righteousness. Protect your heart with the righteousness that God provides you. He's provided it to you. And the righteousness that the Spirit produces in you. Adorn yourself with these. When he attacks your heart and you stand on the truth of what Jesus has done and what he's doing in your life, then you will be able to stand strong. And when the battle's over, you're still going to be standing. Remember what Paul said in verse 13. Take up therefore the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to withstand all. Let me just conclude with a couple of thoughts here. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remind yourself, and Satan too, that Jesus died for your sins. 
that Jesus died for you. Realize that the only way you can stand before God is based upon the or is based upon Jesus's righteousness and His righteousness only. It, it, it's enough, and it's all you need. In Christ, you have been pardoned. In Christ, you have been cleansed. In Christ, you have been perfected. And, and it's what theologians call imputed righteousness. And God has credited it to us. All of us who know him as Lord and Savior, he has credited to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ through faith. We have it. It's ours. It's not about our righteousness. It's, it's about Jesus' righteousness. And, and though Satan can attack our righteousness, he can't attack Jesus' righteousness. And when we put on this breastplate of Jesus, Satan can't penetrate that righteousness, that breastplate. You know, Paul himself used this breastplate of righteousness when he was under pressure to be discouraged and defeated. Let me tell you, if there's anybody that ever should have been discouraged, it was old Paul after he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He was attacked. He was beaten 40 times. I mean, you know, he was in a shipwreck. He was on his way to prison. He was in prison. I mean, you know, if there's anybody that should have felt inadequate or, you know, guilt or whatever, it was Paul. But here's what we know about Paul. He was a man who was of small stature and unimpressive in his personal appearance. His background was anti-Christian, and he could never get away from that stigma. Even after he was saved, he could never get away from the stigma that he killed Christians, that he imprisoned Christians. He could never get away from that. He had been the most hostile, brutal persecutor of the church that it had ever known, and I'm sure he probably ran across families in his travels. He probably ran across families of who he may have killed their relatives. He had to have. Can you imagine that meeting? You know, him now telling them about Christ, who he used to kill people over. So I'm sure he ran into loved ones who, whom he had put to death. And he probably was reminded by some people, you're not even a real apostle. I can see people telling him that. You're not even a real apostle. You're not one of the original twelves, you know. And, and you're, you know, you just appointed yourself at this. Don't you think that would get him down? Don't you think that would get him down? You're talking about someone with grounds for discouragement and how easy it would have been for him to say to himself, what's the use? Let me tell you something. If you have been in ministry very long, you have felt that discouragement. You pour your heart out to people. You know, you're, you're doing what God has called you to do. You're sacrificing sometimes your family and, and friends and your, your time and all of this. And then you've got those people who say, what have you ever done? What have you ever done? And it's easy for us to get discouraged. And Paul could have just threw up his hands, you know, and, and said, you know, I've been ministering to these people. I've been preaching to these people. You know, I've worked my fingers to the bone trying to preach the gospel to these people. But they do not even care. Why try it anymore? Why try it anymore? But that's not what he does. Instead, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, but the grace, uh, by the grace of God, I am what I am, 
and his grace toward me is not without effect. Think about that. There he is using that breastplate of righteousness. That's what he's doing. You know, I don't care what I have been. You know, I don't defend what I was, Paul said. I simply say to you, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So when you're feeling discouraged, when you got those taking shots at you because of the ministry that you're in and the things that you're doing, you know, understand you are what you am by the grace of God. That's putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Because what are they trying to do through Satan? Get to that heart to get you discouraged, to get you down, to get you out. What I am is what Christ has made me, Paul is saying. You know, I'm not standing on my own righteousness. I'm standing on his. I am accepted by grace, and and my personal situation doesn't make any difference at all. I can hear Paul saying these words. So his heart was kept from discouragement by that breastplate of righteousness that God provided for him. You want your heart to be protected when you're being shot at. And you know, here's the thing. Most people who take shots at people in ministry don't even realize they're being a tool of the devil. Because if they're trying to get you discouraged, if they're trying to get you, you know, feeling guilty against yourself, if they're trying to make you, you know, stop ministry, I don't care if they are saved. They're being used of Satan to destroy you. Let me tell you something. In my 30-plus years in the pastorate, I've experienced that with people who claim to be Christians, and maybe they are, but they don't even realize they're being used of Satan to try to discourage me, to try to destroy me, to try to get me to just throw up my hands and say, what's the use? But you know what? I'm like old Paul. I know what's happening. And all I do is put on that breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart, to protect my heart from those fiery darts that's coming after me. So his heart was kept from discouragement by that breastplate that God provided for him. So when uh, Satan tries getting you down because of your past, just say, I know your future. I know your future, Satan. Your future is in hell. So when he tries to get you down because of your past, remind him of his future. Okay? And again, anyone who's trying to get you down, anyone who's trying to get you out, whether Satan or you know, one of his demons or whatever, just say this to him. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay? I don't have to please you. I don't have to please no one else. The only one I have to please is the king. I don't have to answer to you. I don't have to answer to anyone else. I only answer to the king. I am what I am by the grace of God, which was bestowed upon me, and it was not in vain. Look here, if you here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, You don't have available to you this breastplate of righteousness to put on when Satan is constantly tempting you, you know, with all of these things that society, you know, is is, is 
bombarding us with nowadays. You know, <laughs> and I, I think I mentioned this last week, but one of, one of those things that Satan is using today to, to get our young people, to steal our young people, it's this deal about you can identify as a male or a female, just whatever you want to be. And you know what? Even in our schools now, kid has a right to identify what they want. You know? Where does something like that come from? Straight from Satan. In other words, he's after the thoughts of our young people. Be what you want to be. Be what you want to be. Make yourself happy. And that's what I'm talking about. The way society is today, folks, if we don't understand the truth of God's word, God said he made male and female. The male is the male. The female is the female. Doc, have you ever delivered a baby from a male? Just a thought. No. You might one day. I don't know. I mean, the uh, way society is going here. Why is that? Because God did not create them that way. And, folks, Satan is after the minds and the hearts of our, not just the young people. I mean, you've got older people that believe that nonsense. But they haven't put on that breastplate of righteousness to protect their heart, to protect their mind, to protect their thoughts, protect their emotions. From the attacks of Satan. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that breastplate of righteousness is not available to you right now. The only way you can possess that is to know Jesus Christ. Because as we've seen earlier, he died in our place in order that we may obtain his righteousness. So we're going to offer an invitation here in just a moment. And if you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, we're going to invite you to come forward and let us introduce you to him and, and, and show you how now you can not only have that belt of truth, but you can have that breastplate of righteousness to protect you. Child of God, if you've been trying to fight the devil and his temptations on your own and you've left your, 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 your breastplate hanging in your closet, it's got dust all over it because you hadn't put it on for a while, why not get it out of that closet? Blow off all that dust, put that on, and begin standing strong against Satan. You can do it. You can do it. Let's pray.